This is Caught Red Handed, episode 25. So welcome everyone to the Caught Red-Handed podcast, The Reboot, coming to you from Brooklyn, Boston, and Detroit. And coming to you from Brooklyn is me, Lisa Butterworth, aka Kenzie, henna artist, based in Brooklyn. And I'm Jen Pekonchok in Boston. I'm a multidisciplinary artist working in tattooing, silver, and henna. And I'm Monique in Metro Detroit, and I am a henna artist, and I make skincare and do facials and other beautiful things. Cool. So ever since the start of the pandemic, the three of us have been meeting and talking about Mektoub and henna and Morocco, and Moroccan henna, and a lot of other things. And we kept saying that we should start up the podcast again. I haven't touched the podcast in, I don't know, maybe four years, um, but none of us could really find a topic. And we couldn't find anything that could really last for multiple episodes. And then we realized that we all love henna in Morocco, Moroccan henna. So let's just find ways to talk about that. So the plan that we devised is to talk to people about Morocco, um, about living in Morocco, traveling there, et cetera. All three of us have traveled there. Um, we've lived there. And um, we also each know many people who have lived there, who grew up there, who are from there, who have traveled there. And we figured we could get enough people to interview. And we thought it'd be really um, interesting and hopefully rewarding for you as much as we think it is rewarding for us. So we are starting out this reboot of the podcast by talking with um, Monique. <laughs> Hi, Monique. Hi, Monique. <laughs> um, so Monique, you were in Morocco a little bit over a year ago now, I think, is that right? Um, and so basic question to start with, what made you decide to go? <laughs> um, my traveling partner is also an esthetician and she had been and was anxious to go back. Uh, I did a facial and we were chatting and she said, well, why don't you come? I'm going to go in November. And I looked at my calendar and there was this gap. And so it seemed like it was just the right time to make a leap on a trip that I'd been wanting to take for a really long time. And so um, pieces fell into place. I said to my family, hey guys, I wanna to go to Morocco. And they're like, you should do that. You should totally do that. And so uh, I was able to do something that I've been wanting to do ever since I was introduced to the concept of Moroccan henna or the idea that henna is from these different homelands throughout the world and that each place has some stylistic differences and some uh, different relationships with with henna itself. And so uh, when when the opportunity presented itself, I jumped at it. Uh, can't blame you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was lovely. So yeah, what's fall, your fall ended up being a really good time to travel there because the weather itself was very friendly. Um, we did have a little bit of rain, but we weren't going to let that stop us. It's not it's not a monsoon season. It's just a wetter season where we happen to be in the country. So yeah. it was a beautiful time to be there. Yeah, not too hot. Mm -mm. No, the pomegranates, were, the pomegranates were in season. And so they were super fresh oh. and delicious. Yeah. So, oh, um, God. It was actually one of my favorite things about the trip was, you know, sometimes when you travel and you are you're just eating the food that's presented to you and available. Sometimes, especially here in the States, it's heavy, it's restauranty, and you get tired of it really quick and start craving green things. It wasn't mm -hmm. like that at all there. The food is so good. So fresh. Yeah. Largely local. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I could just, that was <laughs> that's actually one of the things I miss the most is the food and the flavors. <laughs> So um, if, well, okay, let me rephrase that. When you go back to Morocco, 
What's the first thing you want to eat? Olives. Yeah? <laughs> Which it seems like a really strange thing because I walk past the olive bars, you know, when it's not um, shut down and I love the aroma of them, but I never enjoy olives here. And, but close to the source, like in Italy, love olives, could not get enough in Morocco. Um, we went to a Sunday market and there were piles of them. So this was a very, um, this was a local market. This one was not, um, one that saw a lot of tourists and there were just piles of olives outside the pressing plant. And so you could, you could just walk up and taste the fresh pressed mm. olives, the olive mm -hmm. oil, which was very astringent and slightly bitter, but absolutely, mm. absolutely amazing. So things close to the source actually taste better turns out. <laughs> wow. Who would have so, known? Um, yeah. Olives. <laughs> Sticking um, with sticking. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say was that so my traveling companion is back there now, and she has learned where to go to get the street food that the um, the workers get on the way to work. Mm. And I want to eat that. Ah, yes. <laughs> right, warm. Well, this this season now they eat a warm soup a lot of times for breakfast, and so mm. that really appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah. And sticking with the theme of food, um, was there anything there that you ate that was really strange and foreign and cool? I or scary? Know, but none of it was <laughs> strange. Um, my friend Layla is a chef of Moroccan food and um, the flavors are very homey and well melded, I feel like, or at least what I've been introduced to, it's very family-like. And mm -hmm. so... The flavors themselves weren't weird. They just weren't what I get to eat on the daily. Yeah. Right? My neighborhood mm -hmm. isn't full of Moroccan or, um, yeah, my, it's just, it's not readily available to me. And so the, the savory dishes and the seasonings were such a nice change. And um, yeah, I just, I no, I don't think it was strange or weird at all. Oh, that's cool. No weird, like, vegetables no weird. That you've it's ever not seen. Like, it's not like being someplace where if you're not used to eating seafood and then you're being asked to eat seafood a lot, right? So right. there were root, right? Lots of vegetables that were familiar. Root vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, aubergine was what, uh, eggplant, right? And yeah. So squashes. It was, it's the fall season there. They have a similar, mm. um, it's similar as far as, it's not like it's a cooler climate, season like where we live, yeah. but it's a cool season there. And so you have your cool mm -hmm. crops. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, awesome. So Monique, I want to pivot slightly. Um, how, both in terms of this trip and generally, how do you like to travel? Do you like to plan everything? Do you like to wing it? And when you were in Morocco, how did that manifest? Um, I, first of all, I like to know enough about where I'm going to be that I feel safe about that. Like I know where I'm going to sleep that night, but, but I like to, <laughs> I, I like to, play. yeah, right. So, um, I prefer to find a place that is a, a base of operation and then begin to explore out from there. Mm -hmm. So that I feel like I really get a sense of, you know, who the neighbors are and what the tone of the neighborhood is. Is it a musical neighborhood or is it, you know, is there nightlife? Is there not nightlife? Is it just casual? So I like, I like to know where I'm going to sleep. But other than that, I like to be able to, to create a sense of place and not have to rush to the next destination, next destination, next destination. Yeah. And for example, when we were in Morocco, we only had 10 days, or at least I only had 10 days. My friend was staying longer, but um, I really didn't, I didn't want the travel to be part of the adventure. I wanted to be someplace. And so we stayed um, early on in a very posh hotel Riyadh that we we could only stay in for a few nights <laughs> before we needed to move but we didn't really move far we just moved to a different neighborhood in in Marrakesh um 
so the way that it manifested itself was we basically stayed fairly close to um, Marrakesh. We, we went a little farther towards the coast to Aswara, and then we went a little bit south towards the desert, um, but really only had three bases of operations in the, the 10 or so days that we were there. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Do you like, are you one of those people has like the list of things that you have to hit and like all the tourist spots or do you like, how do you organize all of the things you want to see? I probably could have done a little bit more research, but my friend was like, hey, let's go. And I was like, hey, let's go. And so uh, she was very excited to show me the spaces that she had met um, when she had been there the spring before. And so we did pick some of the touristy places. I mean, I was a tourist, right? So yeah. it, I like the idea of knowing a space well enough to feel embedded in it, but that's hard to do in 10 days and still yeah. be respectful of the people that are there, right? So <clears throat> um, we did go to... Um, Majorelle Gardens mm. and see the beautiful blue um, paint um, that is so um, recognizable in Morocco. Um, we did seek out spaces so that we could see the beautiful Zalige that was that was protected mm -hmm. behind um, closed doors in a couple of the museums. Um, not surprising, there were some coffee houses that we wanted to hit. <laughs> we, there were definitely things on our checklist. And then traveling with somebody else who's also interested in um, beauty and preparations and in um, bathing culture and bathing rituals. So that was that was fun too because we sought out all of the little the little shops that were known for those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I have to say, going back with McTube, what I'm excited to do is see it through, see Morocco through a different lens because both you and um, Lisa and Jumpa have um, different experiences to share with us. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, more of Morocco through a henna lens. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it should be very interesting for the three of us to be there together. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned you were in Marrakesh, and I think you said Eswira, and uh, where in the desert had you been? I didn't realize that was part of the trip. Omnas, so we weren't super far down. Um, I can't pronounce the name of the, the region. It's like Tamilglit, and it's not, not to be confused with much farther south where the Tamagrut pottery comes from but we were about an hour and a half south of Marrakesh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you have a favorite out of the three areas you visited or it's all just so good? <laughs> they were so distinctive. And I think that that's what one of the things that surprised me about Morocco. Mm. Right. So geographically, we know where it is on the coast up at the, the crest of the African continent. Right. But you don't, so many images that were shown are of the blue city, right, of Chefchaouen, or deep in the desert, or at least the perception that you're deep in the desert. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of romanticizing of nomadic life in imagery. Um, so being able to see three distinctive characters of the landscape without having to travel too far was really exciting. I think it's, I have to imagine that it's a little bit like California, right? Where yeah. as you travel up the coast, you have a different, and because California also has the places where you can be that are very arid, right? Yeah. And desert, -like, yeah. and then also very lush. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, but it was fun to be in a coastal, a coastal town and have, you know, the same kind of plastic resin furniture that you have, you know, in your own backyard. Yeah as the <laughs> furnishings as you're, you know, sitting in the cafes and um, recognizing the same kind of, um, I don't know, those things that that just make you think, hey, we're, we're kind of all the same, even though we're in different places. And yeah. 
yeah. yeah, like the surfer dudes there. And there the was, well, Aswara is known for having a surf culture. It's very yeah. laid back there. Yeah. It definitely lots of lots of marijuana smoke in the air. There was, yes. And <laughs> there's a very distinctive smell of creosote from a plant that is around um, the entrances to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there it's very it had a distinctive aroma. And of course it's a fishing port. So that was different. But as far as a favorite, I would say that like getting to Marrakesh. I just felt like I was vibrating with excitement the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. Right. And so we, um, yeah. And then being in the desert was so, I could really not do that much longer um, than the three or so days that we were there because I was starting to crave some activity, but Mm. it was so beautiful in Mm. an entirely different way. Speaking of which, you want to show us some photos? I can try. I pulled up, I think I have first on my, let's try it this way. Move this down. Screen share. Oh, here we go. Can you see that image of the henna? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you asked if we had or if I had a list of things that I wanted to do. And of course, you know, I want to have henna. <laughs> so we found both of the, well, we found two primary henna cafes, which I'm constantly confusing in my mind. One is very blue and one is very orange. Um, <laughs> and this one was the one that was over by um, Elfna, the big big, big mosque. And uh, I had my henna done by a lovely woman who, of course, used the Moroccan syringe. And then I just sat there like this intense thing. And like I couldn't, I just couldn't because I was so delighted to be in that space getting henna in a homeland of, yeah. of henna. So it was such, and it, divine seems a little bit weird, but it, it, um, it was That's fair. <laughs> It was such a powerful experience to be able to do something like that, to be sitting in my studio like three weeks before being like, sure, why not? Let's go to Morocco. And then I'm there getting, getting henna by this lovely woman. So that was. For those, of, for those of you listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, you can't see the photos, but you'll have to check out the, the, the video. We'll give you a link to that. And I just want to say this henna reminds me so much of Jen's work. Well, because that's where I learned how to do this from. I know. It's just like, Uh, it it just, the quality of the line reminds me so much of your work. Yeah. This is my favorite type. um, I'm not sure what to say, like, as far as stylistic, I guess you could say, um, nice fat lines and a good amount of open space through the design, but it's very balanced and that's really kind of always trying to do. So, yeah. Yeah, and it, because it was fall and it was chilly, the space itself wasn't heated. So we sat for quite a while and drank our coffee. And um, they had um, little space heaters that we that radiated the heat for us to put our hands up against until it was until it was dry and and ready to go. And then, of course, mm-hmm. with the the lemon. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, nothing was fast there, like and. There were always these little transitional moments when you went to a new space, um, especially if it wasn't a public space, like if you were having a service or if you were even moving from one Riyadh to another Riyadh, where um, by that I mean moving from one hotel or space to a new space to sleep for the night, um, that there were always little bits of um, nut and fruit to share and maybe a glass of tea. And so I really appreciated those, those transitional moments that nothing was rushed. Yeah. Go on with the photos. What else? Can you guys can see all of this stuff. I'm going to scroll through for a second and try not to give you a headache. So when I mentioned the the cafes and and places on our list, there's one um, cafe in Marrakesh that is 
famous for all of their green and mirrors, um, Le Jardin. Um, right. <laughs> roses, rose petals for our baths. Um, I'm gonna scroll for a sec because I think I wanna get us down by the coast. If it'll catch up. Here we go, let it fill in. All right, we're in Aswara. Do you recognize the man in the picture? Yes. <laughs> so everywhere you go in Morocco, they have I mean, a picture of the king. But in this particular restaurant, we've, we've got Barack Obama as well. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> this is, um, we, have, we now have our... We're at the um, Henna Cafe Marrakesh, and we've gotten our henna. Um, this was a lovely little moment. Um, we were sitting on this rooftop terrace, and there was just an orange tarp, a lot like the blue tarps that we see all over in the U.S., right? Or, or like that infamous IKEA bag is made out of that mm -hmm. anti-rip fabric, and chatting with the women and the henna artists and the rain started to patter on the tarp and the women stopped and stopped in the kitchen and they just, all of the movement stopped and there was this sigh and huh. one of the women started to weep and she said, the rains are late and they're, they're just now here. And so we all cried for a minute and oh. <laughs> moved up. It was just the, one of those lovely little pauses in a, in a busy city where we, so we. Oh my gosh, that's so lovely. There's something, you know, that makes me think for a minute about the times I've been to Morocco. And there's something so amazing about um, how open Moroccans are, even with people they barely know, like, you share moments like that with total strangers in Morocco all the time. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I agree. It was just sweet to be in a space that was open to that because, you know, we're so guarded, I think, in the States. Yeah. We don't necessarily wear our emotions quite like that. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of yelling and <laughs> it's, like, it's like all of the emotions are right there and it, it feels, it feels good, right? Yeah. yeah. To be in the moment like that. Um, I hate to reduce Morocco to, to a stereotype, but I'm wondering if you have like a few adjectives that you would use to describe Moroccan people that kind of fit generally. My experience was very Southern hospitality. Like Southern U.S.? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. where, yeah, where, well, everybody wants to feed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't want you to rush away. You know, the guest is important, right? So you, you as a guest, and of course, you don't want to take advantage of that. But um, yeah, I would say that was that was an adjective. And I think Jen's observation that, you know, you share moments and there's 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 maybe a candidness. But um, yeah, that, that's really all. Although I, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that, you know, when you're there, you, you get to see with your own eyes things that aren't presented necessarily in photography. Right. Yeah. So that for me was was very meaningful to see where um, where other couples where people were shopping versus where the tourists were shopping, mm -hmm. or the fact that there was I don't know I think that you you mentioned stereotype it's a lot like oh it's all rugs and pottery and all of this stuff in the bazaar and or in the the souks. But there's all kinds of imported inexpensive stuff for people to have access to also. Or if you, we were 
um, Marrakesh is kind of divided between these neighborhoods that include the old city and new city. And when you're in Guiliz, which is the, you know, the new city area that people are walking around with, with the same stuff we're walking around with. But when you're in, in the souk, the, the feel is definitely a little bit more old world and, um, Down home preserved. Yeah. A little bit more homey. And before um, I left, people told me that it was going to be really intimidating and, and perhaps frightening there. And maybe that was their experience when they traveled, but I found it very, very comfortable to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my experience too, same as you. Mm -hmm. Did you have the kids like chasing you down and asking to give you a tour? No. No, there were some men that <laughs> 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 wanted to be tour guides, but yeah. um, no, there were, we didn't see a lot of kids running around. The children that we saw seemed to have a job to do. They were like, they'd gone to the bakery and they were bringing the bread mm -hmm. home, right? They, mm -hmm. you know, it was, that was not the vibe in the part of the city that we were in. Okay. And so you talked a little bit about how you, uh, like what you want to eat when you go back to Morocco. And I'm curious to know what you think is going to be different about traveling with Mictube. Well, having been in on some of the, the, the conversations for what we plan to do, I, we're going to see more of the country than I got to see before, which I think will be lovely. Um, and we've talked about having um, a cooking class. And I think um, being able to really get my hands on the, the food and learn more will be mm -hmm. exciting. Um, and I think my hamam experience will be totally different this time. Um, Why? How was it before? Well, the paper peonies were pretty <laughs> appalling, but the, um, we, yeah. we chose uh, a hamam in, that catered to tourists, um, because we didn't know what we were doing or what to expect other than having yeah. what we read. And yeah. um, also we didn't want to intrude on a, a neighborhood hemam. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing some research and I'm really looking forward to sharing that, that experience at one of the, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that experience. I also think that being able to be there with you and Jen um, because you both have way more experience traveling there than I do. Um, you, you'll have little ideas of where to visit just around Marrakesh that I, I will find exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting hearing you talk about Morocco because you've been there more recently than me and I guess Jen too. So it's kind of like, I don't know like touching somebody who just recently touched someone famous. <laughs> <laughs> Six degrees of Morocco. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, my friend still sends these dispatches and I have to, so every so often she'll send me um, the call to prayer at sundown because that was another one of those uh, transitional moments. It's, it's so moving and beautiful. And when we were down in Omnas, like that was a real, I don't know what the, um, the equivalent of a canter would be. Um, so the, the person doing the call to prayer is a real person. When you're in the city, it's all competing um, uh, recordings, but it's still very moving as you can yeah. hear it move from district to district. And if you can position yourself so that you are on a rooftop cafe during call to prayer at night, it's really, it's beautiful. I'm super secular, but I'm moved by, um, I'm just moved by that beauty. Yeah. My favorite call to prayer is the one that's, um, they play on TV at the end of the broadcast night. I don't know if they still do that now, but it's such a beautiful rendition. Like I, I'll go find it online and listen to it because I just love it so much. The guy's such an amazing singer. Yeah, and she sends me sunsets or the mm. waves from Aswara, and it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. So, um, 
I found when I was in Morocco that there were so many moments that like life works differently there in a little bit of an amazing way. And there were so many moments when I was that just made for really good stories later on, things that I thought, how is this happening? What is going on? You know, all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation that is like not in a bad way, but just a little wild. So I was curious if you had any experiences like that, any just little stories or moments that you stop and say, what is happening? This is Morocco. Well, so I have two. One oh. where we almost got locked in the souk. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, a good one. yeah. So when you when you're in Marrakesh, you feel like the whole thing is the souk, but it really isn't. Like that they are. I believe they were designed as enclaves for a certain activity, right? So this is like where the guilds, part, right? Pardon? Like guilds? Yes, exactly. So okay. this is the leather guild. This is the instrument guild. This is the shoe people. This is the hammersmiths that do the beautiful intricate um, lantern work, right? Um, so those are all like if you we've something that's translatable would be a mall, right? So if you are in a big mall that's very sprawling, they shut gates at particular points in the mall to make sure that people can't get into the central area during off hours. And so we almost <laughs> got locked at dusk um, in the souk. And there was a moment of terror because all of the shopkeepers, like you're, you're in this covered space and it's totally foreign to you. And while it was very easy to navigate as um, an English speaker, um, there was a lot of lady you need to go home being told to us in several languages because they were like, they're, they're about to lock the gates. So that was an interesting experience. And finally, we found somebody who was not super busy, you know, cleaning up their, their shop and just pushing all of the dirt and debris into the road, which was distressing a little bit um but it also seemed very efficient because they just came along and picked up all the garbage and then it was gone they didn't have refuse bins right all over the place um so we finally paid somebody to guide us out we looked up on our <laughs> we looked up on our our um little maps on our phones to figure out what was what would be close to where we wanted to end up without disclosing exactly where we were going right and, Right. So um, we finally Classic. got to cope with that. <laughs> Classic <laughs> women travelers move. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. So that one was really good. And um, the other one was up in Aswara. We, um, uh, we wanted to go to the Sunday market. We didn't realize that there were two. So the, the Sunday market that we went to um, was a little bit like moving back in time to maybe like 1930s US where everybody came from the outlying countryside and set up um, these giant tents and you like animals could be purchased and slaughtered. Um, we saw somebody using like an acetylene torch to clean the skin and um, everything off of a skull. So the skull could be repurposed um, this was the kind of place where, oh, this is where we tasted the olives. And this is where I put my hands in a giant thing of henna leaves in the market, which, nice. right, like, is that, yeah. So, um, but when you're walking through certain parts of it, I mean, there are animals hanging there and most of us are pretty removed from our food. <clears throat> and so that was Maybe not shocking, but it was definitely like, oh, that's the way it's done here, right? Yeah. Um, so that I'm really, so I'm really glad that we did that because we hired a shopkeeper that um, had somebody else that could mind his store and we paid him and a driver for a day to take us out of um the city and into the countryside to go and do this and witnessing, I'm so glad that we did that because it's so different than anything you experience in the modern US, I think. Yeah, so true. You, like they, this, men were coming into this, this um, to get their hair cut. So there were bar tents. Yeah, in oh, the market. Cool. So just like in the souks, there were these different areas. Um, there, 
there was the barber area and then people were getting their clothing mended with those old like pedal yes. sewing machines mm-hmm. yeah Ugh. and people were getting tools mended and so that that actually was really cool too yeah. using the whole thing or reusing the thing yeah. so that reminds me something you said earlier about how to, how you were getting out of the um souk it just um reminded me of how many times people ask me like what's it like being a woman in Morocco and it's always this very like loaded question so I'm curious like what was your opinion going in but also like how did you actually feel when you got there well I mean we're my friend and I are fairly modest dressers and so um we didn't alter we didn't have to alter anything in a particular way um and people asked me about that a lot going into the adventure and coming back out. Like, um, we both brought things, you know, scarves if we needed to cover, but we didn't find any of those circumstances. And as far as, um, I think because we were in well-populated areas, um, Morocco, they don't want to lose Americans, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> they were very careful with us. Um, I would say too that um, as we were moving from one place to another, there was always somebody who was making sure that we knew where we were going and how we were getting there and in contact with where we were, you know, the people at the other end, which Mm -hmm. at a certain point got a little irritating, but you know, you're in somebody else's home. So you're just going to, you're just going to do that. But we weren't, people always want to know if we were harassed or Mm -hmm. harangued. And the only time we got yelled at was somebody thought I was taking a picture of a lady. And so other than the ladies, you got to go home. Everybody was, yeah, no, I wasn't uncomfortable. I felt fine. I was traveling with a companion. I didn't wander alone at night, but I don't do that in my hometown either. (laughs) imagine what would happen well yeah I mean those are I don't know that yeah I don't know that that's just not safety anywhere right just make sure you have a a travel partner right and you have an exit plan Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think as women we just grow up like um thinking about the things that could happen to us and how to protect ourselves and you know walk on the walk on the side of the street where there's a shop that you can duck into or whatever and that's just another universal things yeah I don't think that I'm an unaware person but I didn't really feel like I was on guard right like I wasn't always looking over my shoulder you do things like make sure your passport is stored somewhere safe and in some cases you surrender it to where you're staying yeah which is not something that we're accustomed to here um but no just travel smart make sure you know where your money is yeah don't carry it all on you no i mean just those kinds of things so no i realized that people want it to be a loaded thing but it didn't feel like that at all yeah jen so i had a question for you um we haven't talked much, well, a little bit. We've only talked a little bit about henna. Mm. So I'd love to know um, whether you want to tell us some experiences or if you learned anything interesting while you were there or just what it felt like to be in this place where henna is a part of everyday life and has been for a long time. I think the biggest surprise was um, the people that we spent time with were they had more reverence for the role of a henna artist or when they had so many stories that they wanted to tell. Right. And that was, that was really special to me when they, when folks found out that I was a henna artist from the States, they were like, Oh, well this story and this story and this story. And, and then somebody sent me pictures from the circumcision party (laughs) and all of the Um, henna from uh, on him and his, um, and his mother and his sisters. And so that, that for me was, um, 
it was kind of precious to be able to to hear the stories uh, from people in their home. So, and that how much people wanted to share their their stories of their henna. Um, yeah, I, so that was that for me was the best part was hearing the stories. Were there any in particular that really stood out? Any anyone? Um, other than the fact that so many people were telling us much more rustic, um, like oh, it's just a smear, or it's just a smear, or it's just dipped fingers. Um, people were amazed. Um, at some of the, the artistry of the henna. Um, I wish that I had been able to speak with the actual henna artists more. So that that's one thing, you know, when we go with McTube that will be um, fun, we'll be able to hear from and learn from the artists that are working there now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Um, so, um, for those of you watching, Jen has another appointment, so he had to pop off. Um, but yeah, that's um, met a lot of henna artists when I was there. But I'm really looking forward to meeting, and that was years ago. So now I'm really curious to see what the henna artists are like now. Like our friend Khadija, mm -hmm. like she's just so different from all the other henna artists I know there because she's a different generation. So I'm really curious to meet the new ones. Well I would say that being a speaker of only English was a barrier there, mm, right? Yeah. Because um, while it was easy enough to navigate as a tourist, to be able to really be a little bit more in-depth in the learning, um, I feel like some knowledge of um, Darija, the, the Arabic spoken there, or French, mm -hmm. um, would have benefited me quite a bit there. Yeah. I think my, my experience with other henna artists would have been richer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even mm -hmm. I could only speak French with them. And a lot of the older women didn't never learn French. So it was mm -hmm. very limited. It was disappointing. But, you know, you still yeah. got to see their work, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And, and just like here, there's a lot of um, instant henna. Mm. It was... It was really fun to sit above the street. There's a very famous um, market outside um, the Cafe de Spices. <laughs> Cafe de Spices is what it hey, says. On the Cafe de Spices. Um, sorry, you. Cafe de Peace. <laughs> yes. De so yeah. to sit in that market and watch the dynamics. Now that was a lot of fun because it was clear that one of the young boys that was sent on an errand by an Akasha um, to get the, like literally to buy the henna from the little store to do the woman that was sitting in front of her. Now that was, that was a super different way when Jen asked about like things being done differently there versus here. So that, that was really cool to just sit and watch the market. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love stuff sure. like that. Yeah. And the fact that people can just stand around, they have time in their day to around. Well, and the, you know, and the, like the little boy you know, belongs dancers or whatever. Yeah. Some, the little boy belonged to somebody else clearly, but then this woman hollered him over and sent him on this errand. And so clearly they all knew each other, but yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if this happened to you when you got lost. Um, I would ask a shopkeeper and then they would like grab some boy, take her to whatever, you know, take her wherever she needs to go. <laughs> like they just order these little kids around. Did you travel on your own? Uh, yes, they did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, so Lisa, when you were there the last time, how long ago was that? Okay, are you back? I'm here, and on my okay, end, you glitched me. out. It sounds like maybe oh, okay. on your end, I glitched out. Yeah. Um, I yeah. asked you how long it had been since you were there. Um, well, I went back uh, actually just like a week or two before you went, 
Okay. So I um so this was last October, early November, because I was traveling in Spain. And so I went to the north, the far north, like Tangiers and Tetuan, where I'd never mm -hmm. been before. Mm -hmm. So but but the rest of Morocco I have not been to for twelve years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wonder too if part of the security of traveling as as women as we did was the fact that the tech technology worked really well, right? In our favor. Yeah. We could yeah. look up where we wanted to go. And so we didn't really rely on asking questions, which mm -hmm. you know changes the experience, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. Right. And when you don't have to take like the bus to go someplace, you can take it you know you can call a taxi on an app or something it makes things feel a lot safer and we didn't so we didn't rely on any apps to do that for us we did whenever if we needed something by car we either hired somebody privately mm -hmm. or um the hotels um the riads have relationships with drivers of course and so yeah. Right. And so they get their guy to drive you up. Yeah. Yeah. And then dispatch is on there like 10 times, you know, how far are you? Where are you now? Kind yeah. of thing. So um, uh, um, there's a handoff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, we didn't. Um, so I guess my point is like we didn't really have to rely on asking a stranger other than that. That one time that that we almost got stuck in the. Yeah. We managed. She figured it out. We did. Yeah. I think there was, you know, for a modern traveler having some, and if you're not a super crazy adventurous traveler, then yeah. having that tech available to you is, is, um, it gives you some confidence. Yeah, for sure. Um, you were talking earlier about like what foods you want to eat when you go back and the foods that you remember from being there. So what other senses were particularly um, uh, heightened when you were there? Visually, I think, and then more, it was, I would say, even though norm, in my normal life, smell is a big driver. Yeah, but, that's what I um, thought you would say. Yeah, I would say that the just the aromas of the cooking and the, the food. We weren't, you know, we didn't go up and weren't in Morocco in the north during the the orange blossom season, right? So oh, yeah. That, right, that would be something to behold or to For be sure. in the south where the roses are. That that would be another thing that those two things are now on my, my bucket list. But... <laughs> um, no, I would say that it was flavors and this, the aromas around those flavors. Mm. And then um, the, a lot of the shops sell Moroccan amber, and I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> so either. I is, have some of that. Yeah, or oud, and I'm like, that's not oud. Mm -hmm. But, um, and just like, just like here, people are like, oh, yeah, that's all natural. And you're like, mm, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, when we were seeking out or looking for skincare, beauty care products in particular, like wanting to do, um, find a source for argan, um, argan oil, um, it was still hard to figure out sometimes what was diluted or um, adulterated. Yeah. 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 Um, just well, I mean, talk about aroma. I mean, that's how how I could tell that there was something else in there. Yeah, it's the food. It's so <laughs> savory and balanced, and um, I don't have any food restrictions. And I, while I was traveling with someone who's plant based, um, we did not have any trouble finding food, the various breads yeah. and dipping things. Oh, and oh I, my God. Food is so interactive there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you get your hands in it. Uh -huh. I remember um, eating the best orange of my life in Marrakesh. And, you know, people oh. are like, oh, Florida oranges or whatever. Nothing, nothing has ever or will ever compare to that orange I ate in Marrakesh. Like the juice is good, but like eating an orange that's so good mm -hmm. and so ripe and fresh off the tree, it was and fresh. Mind, they don't yeah. import a lot of food. 
the mm-hmm. same way we do. I mean, yeah, you can buy Pringles. I mean, that's what I brought back. Yeah. My son was like paprika Pringles. Right. The funny tasted, flavors. Right. Because yeah. he had tasted those. And, and yeah. But the, um, yeah, I mean, there's all these little convenience stores tucked into the walls of the the mm-hmm. soup, which is a lot of fun. You can get a bottle of water. You can. Oh, that was the other thing. We were we were on our third space, and someone was like, "There's the bottle for you to brush your teeth." And we we're like, "Oh well, we've been using the tap water." <laughs> <laughs> a little Moroccan cleanse. Yeah, we didn't get sick. Yeah, I didn't have trouble with the water mm-hmm. there, but no, um, no, yeah. Yeah, we weren't drinking out of like water barrels in the countryside. We were no, it was there. tap. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, yeah, the food. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I remember the most. That's what I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like such a foodie, but I crave that and the smells too. But you know, I can open up a bottle of orange blossom water, and then I'm just like there, transported. Yeah, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. it's magical. Yeah. The orange blossom water that I have is from Morocco. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to go back. So I think we're at time. Awesome. Or I don't know about time, but I think we're, I think that's good. I don't have any other questions. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I really wanted to share about the rain and the the weeping because that was such a beautiful moment. The other thing is I mentioned that the the pomegranates were, um, you're getting photobombed by your cat. Um, the, oh, yeah. the pomegranates <laughs> were um, ripe while we were there. And mm. I had a, um, a takeaway moment because they have a saying there that is, it's in the pomegranate. What's that it, mean? It's a colloquialism. It basically means, well, you don't know until you try it. Like until oh. you open it up and see how fresh and lovely it is, you don't know right. until you oh, even try that. it. And so I, I love that it's in the pomegranate, right? That's Morocco for you. Morocco. <laughs> what a nice thing to end on. It's, in, right? the it's in the pomegranate. It's in the pomegranate. Yeah. I'll try to find a I'll try to find a, a picture of the pomegranates that we saw. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, thanks so much for talking. I know we've talked about your trips a lot, but um I think it was good to kind of interview you to really get in there and hear more of your story. Well, it's a lot of fun. I think this is a great series and I'm excited um, to be part of it on the, the, the asking side as well. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Lisa. All right. Thank you. Bye.